0: by everyone who listened to it and that our dreams will be tested. And Joseph certainly were. He was falsely accused and put in prison just for a couple of tests he had to go through. And we see that dreams oftentimes take a long time to be fulfilled and that there's a long waiting process often. Today, I want to talk about implementing the dream and managing the dream. Okay, so first. Implementing the dream. Bobby Kennedy said this. Some men see things as they are and ask why. I dream things that never were and ask why not. Well, one reason why not is we really don't know how to bring the dream into reality. We've thought about it for years. We eventually learned that we have to wait But then we get stuck oftentimes in that waiting process. And so faith is so important in implementing the dream because dreams don't just happen. Faith is required and action on our part is required. I think about the Olympians. We recently watched the Olympic Games and how I'm sure many, if not all of those athletes had a dream of going to the Olympics and winning gold. But if that's all it was, they never would have had achieved their dream. They had to get up really early every morning and and swim or run or whatever their event was. What are some characteristics that help us know that we could do to implement the dream? Let's look at a few of those. The first one I would say is openness. Being open to the Lord, open to the Holy Spirit, believing that God is. Is that work in you and will fulfill this dream? It also helps to be perceptive of God's timing. So let's look at a text in Genesis 40 verses one through eight. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house. Why are your faces so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered. But there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. Now, these two men don't sound very important at all, a cupbearer and a baker. But they were extremely important men in the kingdom. Think about it. They are the ones that have access to the king's food and drink every day. So if someone wanted to kill the king, perhaps he could bribe them to slip a little poison in the king's food or drink. So these men had to be of utmost character and totally trusted by the king. But something they did got the king's suspicion up and he put them both in jail. And it says there that Joseph attended them. He served them rather than feeling sorry for himself. I mean, could he not have been just so down and discouraged? Here he was sitting in prison. He could have just been complaining to God and anyone who would listen the whole time. But he served. And then he heard that they had a dream. And this was right up his alley. This was in his wheelhouse. This is something that he was gifted in and the Egyptians valued dreams. God had him at just the right place at the right time in his sovereign plan. I don't think there's ever a wrong place to serve. Be open to God using you wherever you are. It it may be a change of plans from what you originally thought, but know that God's at work in that. The cupbearer and baker tell Joseph their dreams. To one, he predicts that he'll be restored back to his position again. To the other, he'll be killed. And that's exactly what happened. Genesis 40, verse 14 says, But when all goes well with you, this is Joseph. Remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. Verse 23, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Dreams are oftentimes forgotten. Genesis 41, one says, when two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile. Two full years had passed. That's 730 mornings, 730 evenings. Joseph continued on in jail. Maybe your dream is in this two year forgotten time. And you've got to wait a little bit longer. Be open. Keep believing. Don't give up. Don't become bitter toward God and others. Joseph could have easily have just become a bitter man sitting there in prison. Remember, his brothers betrayed him. Potiphar's wife framed him wrongfully. And the cupbearer forgot him. In chapter 41, we see that Pharaoh had a dream that no one could interpret. Then the cupbearer, remember, Joseph, forty-one, fourteen. 14. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon when he had shaved and changed his clothes. He came before Pharaoh. Did you notice the clothing change there? He once wore a coat of many colors. Then the slave's tunic, which Potiphar's wife grabbed. Now he exchanges his prison clothes for something better. Joseph was brought before the Pharaoh to hear his dream. What if Pharaoh didn't like his interpretation? That brings us to the second point in implementing the dream. Take a risk. When implementing any kind of a dream in your life, risks are involved. Now, some people enjoy risk taking; Most don't. But a God kind of dream doesn't raise your adrenaline. It raises your faith. Risks are where you face your fears. So God motivated dreams require faith, faith to go out on the mission field, faith to go into full time ministry or take that new job or move across the country or go back to school. It's always safer just to stay in the status quo. Whatever the dream is, know this, there's going to be risks involved. But if God is with you and if he's given you that dream, he will be. I think the third thing we need is humility. We see that in Joseph in verses 15 and 16. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it. What a bad sentence, I think, to say to the Pharaoh. But listen, Joseph replied to him, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Wow, what a perfect opportunity that was to promote himself. Blow his own horn. Yeah, I am an expert in dream interpretation. Let me tell you what it is. Pharaoh is asking for his help. It's his chance. He could have left God out because Pharaoh might not like what he said or might not believe in his God. He could have offended Pharaoh by talking about God here. But he's bold and humble at the same time. He said, I can't do it. He doesn't promote himself, he promotes God. He gives God the glory. He shows that God is really number one in his life. He made God great, so God, if we humble ourselves, can exalt us and make us great in due time. A fourth lesson here in implementing the dream from Joseph is be prepared. I would say be prepared when your time comes. It doesn't require a high IQ, but you do have to know what you're talking about. Do your homework. And so when your opportunity arises, you're ready to seize it. As it says in 1 Peter 315. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So Joseph interpreted the Pharaoh's dream and think about this for a moment. Isn't it amazing that the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, would listen to this foreigner, this slave, this prisoner? But he did. Joseph told him that a famine was on the way, that there would be seven years of plenty and then seven years of lack. Prepare. I think that's good advice in the day what we're living in. I would encourage you all to consider some sort of prepping, preparing physically for an uncertain future, and especially preparing spiritually. Joseph's ability got Pharaoh's attention. The Bible says your gift will make room for you. So do your research. Be prepared that when that moment comes, you're ready to seize it. Genesis 41, 41 through 46 So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command and men shouted before him, make way. Thus, he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zephanoth, Paniah, and gave him Asenoth, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went through the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of the Pharaoh. King of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. So Pharaoh puts an even better coat on Joseph than he's ever had. He's second in command. It's like he's the vice president of all of Egypt. Was this some kind of overnight success? No, not at all. He had 13 years of hardship before this, most of it spent in jail. But God exalted this humble man. And now he's on top, just like God promised in his dream he would be. So now's his opportunity to just kick back. Maybe take a pleasure cruise down the Nile. No. He has to now manage the dream. So how do we do that? First component of that from the Joseph story, work hard. Work hard. Genesis 41, 47 to 49. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. So we see here Joseph is managing the plan, the dream. He knew hard times were coming. He could have thought, well, I'm going to take at least a year off and and just take it easy. But he didn't. He worked hard immediately. He worked hard every day. Why? Because a big dream requires a lot of work. Let's say you have a dream about having a great marriage. And so you walk down the wedding uh, on the wedding day. You walk down the aisle and, and now it's over. You're going to have a great marriage, right? As the song says, no, you've only just begun. Or maybe you dream of having a great family and you have your first child. So now you're done, right? No, you're just beginning. Now's the time to roll up your sleeves and make that family great. That leads to the second point. Be a servant. We saw that he actually worked. He was actively involved in this, not just sitting in an office somewhere. In 4157, It says all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe in all the world. Egypt was a busy place. People from all over the world were coming to him there. He served Egypt and he served others. We see no discrimination here. He served everyone who came. He fed a hungry world, kind of like our church. Dream big. God will use someone with a servant's heart. Third thing he does, acknowledge God. He acknowledges God in verses 51 and 52. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim And said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Names are important in the Bible. And we see the name of firstborn Manasseh means God has caused me to forget. God enabled him, helped him to forget all the pain that he had gone through in his past. The secondborn Ephraim means God has caused me to be fruitful. He gives God the credit and the glory for everything God has done for him. The fourth thing. You must forgive. I think this is the most important characteristic of all, and it's essential for spiritual, mental and emotional health. God can't use a person who holds a grudge because it creates a wall between you and God. If you have a big dream, people are going to hurt you. They're going to deny your dream. They're going to doubt it. They're going to try to destroy it. And if you hold on to bitterness, it's going to destroy you. So this is really a, a beautiful story of forgiveness that unfolds here. In forty two one to two, when Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued. I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. So Jacob learned there's grain in Egypt and he looks at his sons who are just sitting around. Why are they just sitting around? They have a guilty conscience. They sent their brother to Egypt as a slave over 20 years ago by now. And they're still guilty. Verses three and four of that chapter give us an insight why. Then ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. The fact that Jacob won't let his youngest son Benjamin go shows us that he's still grieving the loss of Joseph. Joseph had been his favorite. Now Benjamin was and he couldn't bear the thought of losing him. It tells us that families can suffer with grief for decades. The brothers arrived in Egypt and appeared before Joseph. They didn't recognize him. Now, it's been 20 years since they've seen him. He's clean shaven. His head would have been bald and his face cleanly shaven. He had different clothes on. He had the clothes of someone who was second in command to all of Egypt. They never would have dreamed in their wildest dreams that could be their brother. So while they were in the dark, Joseph wasn't. He recognized them. Now, if he had been a bitter man at that point, right then and there, he could have ordered their execution. And we all would have said, it's justified. But he had already forgiven them. But he was going to teach them a good lesson. They ask him for food. He accused them of being spies. And so they defend themselves. And he, was, he did that to gather some information. He wanted to find out if his father was still alive and about Benjamin, his younger brother. And so they give him that information. And he says, bring back next time. My, uh, bring back Benjamin. In 42, 21 and 22, they said to one another, Surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. Reuben replied, didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an account for his blood. The brothers have a guilty conscience still. They, they say God is punishing us. And that's what a guilty conscience does to you. The Bible says that God punishes sin. He punishes it for the one who believes and repents on Christ. Their brother Simeon was kept as a hostage till they returned with Benjamin. Joseph fills their sacks with grain and puts their money that they gave in the top of each sack. When they discover that more guilt, they had sold their brother for money. Most would be happy to see that money in their sack, but not them. So it shows us that money won't make you happy if you have a guilty conscience. It didn't take too long before the food was gone and they were hungry again. And Jacob is reluctant, but he has no choice than to send Benjamin back. They arrive. Joseph prepares a meal for them and seats them from the oldest to the youngest. He's definitely playing head games with them. When you have something to hide, you worry. When you tell the truth, no worries. Then Joseph fills up their sacks again with grain, but puts his special cup in Benjamin's sack. He sends the guards, his personal guards, to go after them to find his cup. A search happens, and Joseph's cup is in Benjamin's sack. The brothers freak out. At this point, they know this is not good. And then Judah waxes eloquent here. This has got to be one of the most heart rending speeches in the Bible. I want to read it. 44, 18 to 34. Then Judah went up to him and said, please, my Lord, let your servant speak a word to my Lord. Do not be angry with your servant, though you are equal to Pharaoh himself. My Lord asked his servants, do you have a father or a brother? And we answered, we have an aged father and there is a young son born to him in his old age. His brother is dead. And he is the only one of his mother's sons left and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, bring him down to me so I can see him for myself. And we said to my Lord, the boy cannot leave his father if he leaves him. His father will die. But you told your servants, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him what my Lord had said. Then our father said, go back and buy a little more food. But we said we cannot go down. Only if our youngest brother is with us, will we go. We cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. One of them went away from me. And I said, he has surely been torn to pieces. And I have not seen him since. If you take this one from me, too, and harm comes to him, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in misery. So now, if the boy is not with us, when I go back to. Your servant, my father, and if my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life, sees that the boy isn't there, he will die. Your servants will bring the gray head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, if I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the blame before you, my father, all my life. Now, then, please let your servant remain here. As my Lord's slave in place of the boy and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come upon my father. You know, it was originally Judah's idea to sell Joseph for money. He's changing now. And I think this shows us there's hope for anyone to be able to change. Finally, Joseph reveals himself. And this to me is one of the most touching passages in the Bible. It's probably the one passage of Scripture that I've cried more reading it than any other. It just always really touches my heart in Genesis 45, 1 through 8. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. The one you sold into Egypt and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you for two years. Now, there has been famine in the land and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then. It was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. In my life, in, uh, when we passed our first church, there was a, a person in that church that was very difficult for Kathy and I about the whole 10 years that we were there. We tried many times for reconciliation. It just didn't work. Finally, at the very end of our time there, we, we reached out and it seemed like we had a night at our church where reconciliation was happening, where confession was happening and forgiveness was happening. And I remember going to the altar and I burst out in tears. I never hardly ever cry, but man, it was just such an emotional and heartrending cry right from the soul. But then it wasn't long after that, some other people uh, convinced her to kind of. Just go back to what she was doing before. So, and it was so disheartening. So some years passed and we were already at uh, Shiloh Chapel in Marysville when we got a letter from this person. And she said, I have terminal cancer. I don't have very long to live. And I'm just trying to get everything right with God before I die. And so she, in this letter, just really appealed for us to forgive her. And, of course, we had already done that, but it just meant a lot, you know, to receive that letter and know that God can still God is still at work in those situations. If we'll forgive, he'll do great things. Joseph had forgiven them and Joseph knew this was God's plan all along. Tough times are part of God's plan. I don't imagine that Joseph forgave them quickly or maybe overnight. Maybe it took years. He had lots of times to hate, as he said in that jail cell. But he also had lots of time to forgive. And he did. But I don't want to forgive him. I know. You want to hold on to hate. You feel justified for what he did to you. He should have to pay, you say. You've suffered greatly. That's true. They don't deserve your forgiveness, but you need to forgive and release them from the debt they owe you. You'll probably never be best friends or business partners again, but you've got to let go of the hate or it will kill you. Do it for your own health and turn the punishment you want them to have over to God. You are no longer going to punish them. I think that's the most important lesson Joseph learned and how this dream was able to come to fruition. Fifthly, you've got to persevere. You've got to finish your destiny. Genesis forty-five twenty-eight, And Israel, which is Jacob, said, I'm convinced my son Joseph is alive. I will go and see him before I die. The the reason Jacob and his family had to come down into Egypt was all part of God's greater plan that they would settle there in the land of Goshen and have a, a great life. But then a Pharaoh would rise up someday who did not know Joseph and they he would imprison them. But they multiplied and grew and they were there for 400 years until God moved with a great and mighty hand to deliver his people through Moses. God's plan is bigger than you. It's not about you. The dream isn't about you. It's about God's plan. And sixthly, pass on the dream. In Genesis 48 and 49, we see Jacob blessing his sons. His 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. But if, if you notice, and you probably have noticed this if you read through the Old Testament, there's never a Joseph tribe. His two sons replaced him. Two sons. So he got double blessing. Then Jacob blessed the younger of the two sons more than the older, and Joseph tried to stop him, but he allowed it to stand. Ephraim then became the head tribe. First Chronicles five, one, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel. He was the firstborn, but when he defiled his father's marriage bed, his rights as firstborn were given to the sons of Joseph, son of Israel. So he could not be listed in the genealogical record in accordance with his birthright. Have you blessed your kids? The blessing is the pro. Prophetic pronouncement that you make upon your children, where, where you say what God is going to do in their lives. Do pass the blessing on to your children. And know this that your dream might live on through them. Okay, application questions. Where are you in the dream process? Are you in the implementing it process? Or the managing part? Or just simply asking God, God, give me your dream? For your life. I want to fulfill my destiny. And the other application question is. Is there anyone you need to forgive? I would encourage you to do that. Even today. Maybe down here at the altar. When we're closing out with a song. But do that business with God. Let's pray. Father, there's so much in the Bible. To teach us. About how to live our lives. And that ultra-important lesson of forgiveness. Your word is clear on that. If we want to be forgiven, we have to forgive. So I would pray if there's someone here right now, today, struggling with someone that they can't forgive, that they would begin that process right now. They would let go of the hate. Let go of the revenge thoughts. Let go of the punishment thoughts. But just give them over to you. And that, Lord, you will help them to forgive. Thank you, Lord, for your presence with us and how you're going to continue to speak through your word throughout this week. In Jesus name. Amen.